I record all of these beginning portions of these episodes. Usually I do it way after the episode was actually recorded and I sit in my recording studio, AKA the red minivan, but it's fun. Go to our website, Energy is Love Podcast. Go to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Um, Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of the episodes are available there. Also, all the videos that we do, all the fun Facebook Live stuff, you can find it on our YouTube channel as well. So if you haven't, please jump over there and do that right now. Stop, push pause, and go do it. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Entheozen. Entheozen.com nutritional solutions for balancing the mind and body. Entheozen is a supplement company founded back in 2014 by Caitlin Thompson, a neurobiologist. So some of the leading causes to mental illness, to mood disorders are nutritional deficiencies. Entheozen products can help towards filling in some of those gaps towards your brain and mood health. All of the ingredients used in their products are scientifically studied and contain premium active forms of vitamins and minerals which are there to ensure bioavailability and maximum absorption. Transend, wonderful, wonderful product. It's a mood enhancement and can also be used as a meditation aid. So it's going to help you out anytime you meditate, anytime you practice yoga, maybe you hop in the float tank, pop some Transend and it's going to help. They also have a party recovery supplement, Weekend Warrior, which if, if you're out at a festival, if you're out at Burning Man, if you're out, for the weekend doing anything and you hit it a little hard and get a little crazy, that's fine. Take some Weekend Warrior. That party recovery supplement is going to help you get back to normal. Entheozen also offers educational outreach workshops and programs all focused on empowering people in regards to achieving and sustaining their own mental wellness. So go to their website. You can find more information there. You can also purchase all other products through Amazon. If you just search Entheozen on Amazon, you'll find them. And then wherever you're checking out, whether it's through their website or through Amazon, make sure you enter that promo code energy is that's a special promo code for podcast listeners. And it's going to save you 10% off your total purchase. Go show them some love guys. And undoubtedly, I guarantee get some of that trends and it's going to help. It's going to help in your meditation. I promise. Entheozen.com. This episode is also brought to you by Dreamwater. Dreamwater is the manufacturing company that makes, produces, creates, and puts out the Dream Pod. Dream Pods are some amazing flotation tanks. They have a modern design. They are built to last. They're easy to use. A great support team in place for Dream Pods. They also have a wide variety of products. Their flagship Dream Pod V2 was launched back in 2014 and is continually being improved upon and evolving they also have the DreamPod Max, which is one of their latest pods. It's their biggest pod. It was created after demand from their customers. So now you can float two people inside that DreamPod Max. It's also good for really, really tall people, really, really big people. They also have the Stealth. Any of their tanks come in Stealth mode, which if you haven't seen it, go to their website, dream-pod.com, and check out the Stealth. It's an amazing black sensory deprivation tank, float tank. It's awesome. And just recently they announced... The Dream Room. So the Dream Room is DreamPod's answer to the float cabin. It's the Dream Room float cabin. It's going to be amazing when it finally comes out. You can go to their website and see it. See some pictures and some versions of it. All of their tanks are incredibly beautiful aesthetically. They have the latest technology in regards to operating and 
running the tank, and they have distribution now in the United States. So if you're here in the U.S. and you're looking for a tank, contact them, and you can get that tank much quicker, much easier. They have financing available, all these amazing options. Go to dream-pod.com and check out the Dream Pods. On today's episode, episode 156 million, I don't know what episode it is. I lose track of them now, but on today's episode, I got to chat with TJ Fry. TJ is a friend of mine. He's an amazing guy. He's really, really kick-ass, cool, funny, hilarious. He also happens to be a professional race car driver, so that's kind of amazing. TJ's also a driver instructor. He does a lot of really neat things, and he's really open-minded and really, he's actually really connected, even though he may not think so, but he's a believer of law of attraction and spirituality as a whole and energy work and all these kind of different things. And we just had fun sitting down and chatting. We recorded the episode in my living room. If you jump over to our Facebook page or to our YouTube channel, we actually recorded it live so you can listen to it. You can go watch it. There's lots of options if you want to tune in and listen to this episode. But TJ's hilarious. We had a great time and we really, really got into some deep stuff. It was fun to pick his brain on a lot of the topics that we covered. Go to his website, tjdrives.com. You can find all of his information there. Uh, Go follow him on Instagram. He posts just amazing, fun, hilarious stuff. Whether you're into driving or any of that kind of stuff, TJ's just a great guy. You're going to love it. It's a great episode. Thank you, TJ, for doing the podcast. Big shout out to TJ and his wife, Danny. Thank you. Now, folks, sit back, relax, push play. Enjoy this wonderful episode with TJ Fry. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The energy is the love podcast. The energy is love podcast. Energy is love. The energy is love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The energy is love podcast. So we're finally on. Okay. It's real. It's happening. This is it. All right. Finally, right? Well, you know, the good news is I have to pause one more time to get a photo of us. Got it. There it is. That's a winner. So if you're watching us on Facebook, this is the first, it's not the first live episode that we've done, but it's the first one that we've kind of done in this former fashion. We're sitting in our, in my living room. It's not our living room. And, um, (laughs) feel free to comment and like, and do whatever it is that you're going to do. We're not going to be able to see any of that shit, but if you do have questions or anything like that, leave them in the comments and we'll get to them eventually. And then this, what you're watching right now, will actually be a full episode of the podcast that you'll be able to listen to in a few weeks and everything like that. Perfect. So it's kind of a sneak peek for people that want to tune in on Facebook and then download and listen to the episode. I dig it. In a little while. You you heard and saw it here first, so that's what we're working on. <laughs> Cheers, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah. So TJ, you are the first race car driver that we've ever had on the podcast before. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole new, I think I'm going to branch off at this point. Into like, more race car drivers, yeah. I hope. Like okay. we're going to go to NASCAR. Um, Cause I mean, that's really where my niche is, right? Like I yeah. think I'm sure I've got plenty of listeners down South. And yeah. This, the spirituality <laughs> niche in the race car world, I think is very lacking. You could really do well there, I think. <laughs> so I'm excited. Yeah. This will be good. Yeah. Tell people. It's like the most generic, shitty question to ask somebody at the beginning of an episode, but I'm going to do it. I think I know where we're going. Here. Yes. I don't want, I don't want you to tell people a little bit about yourself. I want you to tell people the most spiritual thing about yourself. How's that? 
That's a little different. Okay. I do like that. That is different. So I really didn't know where we were going with that. Um, the most spiritual thing about me. I have a very overactive brain, I think. It just doesn't shut off. It's always jumbled would be a good word. And when I'm driving a car at the limit and pushing myself a little past that danger zone, so to speak, I have incredible clarity and this wonderful calm that I get. And I have this gratitude, this overwhelming gratitude to be able to make a living doing what I love, which is admittedly kind of dangerous at times. <laughs> uh, but it really is. I put myself in those dangerous scenarios and I get this amazing sense of gratitude. And, uh, and I feel more connected to the universe and to the world and to my family and my friends in those moments than I do pretty much any other time. Um, that's probably the most spiritual thing about me, I guess. Racing, driving cars. Yeah, seriously, driving cars. <laughs> do you have any other time in your life or can you think of any other moments when you have that much clarity? Yeah. Like, like in those moments when you're driving and you're going however fast and you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. My guess is because the way you're describing it is that you do have a sense of like everything falls into place. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have those moments periodically. I had a big moment like that. The biggest one I've ever had was when I married my wife, Danny, um, who you obviously know as yes, well. Yes. Hello, Danny. Hi, baby. Miss you. Love you. Uh, but yeah, so when she and I got married, um, we got married on a beach in Thailand, excuse me, in Thailand and um, wonderful moment, most important moment. Uh, of my life, shy of maybe being born, I suppose, but way up there for sure. <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, just there's, there's those certain moments in my life where I have clarity that, that nothing else is going on. And, uh, I'm only focused on that one moment. And for me, a lot of those moments involve danger, whether it's driving race cars or jumping off a giant jumps on my skis or, uh, which I used to do competitively. Um, I don't know. I Why just, do you think you like, uh, what is it about, like, what is it about you? You think that you are so, I don't want to say addicted to adrenaline cause you're not like an adrenaline junkie. I mean, yeah. there's probably an aspect of you that kind of dances in that place, but yeah. what is it about that? Um, that need for, um, for that adrenaline, for those, uh, situations, those experiences, those things that are dangerous. Do you think there is something? There's a survival element. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's, you kind of have this instinctual uh, desire and, and motivation to protect yourself and to keep yourself from being hurt or being injured or being killed. And uh, as bizarre as that may sound, uh, those moments and, and very emotional moments for me, like getting married, uh, you know, or having a conversation with my father who almost passed away recently. Um, you know, those very emotional moments like that where, where nothing else matters and you sort of get to tune something out and just focus a hundred percent on what you're doing at that moment in time. And that survival element of your instinct as a human being blocks out everything else. When you're soaring through space on skis over a hundred foot jump and you're just looking for the landing going, God, I hope I make this, um, there's nothing, you don't have time to think about anything else. You know, when you're doing something in a race car, that's right up to the limit and you're trying not to die, you know, <laughs> I mean, those moments, it's, it's funny, but those moments genuinely are very, very calming for me because, and I, and I know there's a lot of people like that, um, but it's, it's a unique moment of clarity 
that you get when you're that close to danger and something might happen because the rest of your brain just sort of shuts off and the animal, your lizard brain, so to yeah, speak, yeah. kicks in and just says, this is what we're doing and this is what we're doing. That's all we're doing right now. Um, so I really, I think there's a survival element to it, which, which makes it very clear. So like calm in the storm, we'll say, right? So yeah. that, that clarity when everything else is kind of chaotic around you. Yeah. Um, is that something that I'm sure undoubtedly it's, it's, uh, the words are escaping me. Um, like it's gotten better over the years, right? It's gotten, like, it's something that has improved with time. Yeah. It's probably not something that, I mean, my guess is that it's probably something unique to you and unique to people who are in that space and do those type of things and those, but how have you seen it? Like, is it easier now? Like, do you find more? Cause my guess is like when you first start out driving race cars, like it's just fucking exciting and you're having a good time yeah. and you're, do you know what I mean? You're in those moments, but you're not really aware of it. Like at what point did it transition for you where you had kind of awareness of the calm that would come in those spaces and the way that you would move through it as opposed to kind of, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So when I was, uh, when I was in college, I was, I think it was like 19, 20 years old, something like that. Um, I remember having a moment where, um, I got, I got hurt, uh, on a big jump skiing and long story short, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to, which I hadn't really gotten to racing cars yet. Um, I realized I wasn't going to be able to achieve that, those moments of clarity and that, that peaceful serenity that I got from those moments for Oh gosh, six to eight weeks, I believe is what the doctors always told me. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so I wasn't going to be able to do that for a while. And I started thinking about what are some other ways that I can accomplish this same goal without putting myself in the physical peril. Cause I can't do that forever. And that moment was when I started thinking of other ways to do it. And that was where I'd always been passionate about driving cars and I thought, you know what, I bet I could do that driving cars. And then theoretically it could last longer than one or two seconds when I'm in the air, you know? Uh, and, and so that's where that started. And now it, it went from one or two seconds to 30 seconds, 60 seconds, um, hours on end when you're racing at times. And I kind of flip flopped instead of searching for that moment, I can get in a car and if I'm driving even a little aggressively, or even if I'm in traffic, just paying attention to what's going on, I can tune out everything else and still get that moment of clarity. So it's, uh, I basically have to yelp myself back into, you know, oh yeah, don't forget to pay attention to driving because you're enjoying <laughs> this so much, you know? So it's, uh, it's, that was uh, about 19 or 20, I think is when I realized that you can actually do this almost on command. You yeah. Know? Still have to search for it in ways. Um, I, but I think that's the goal to have that clarity and that connection to whatever is out there. Uh, you know, having that, that just incredible gratitude, that feeling where you feel like I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm happy about it. And, uh, and I'm very grateful to be here in this moment. Uh, those moments are some of the best moments in my life. And, and it's just, I want to achieve those more often. So yeah try to do that as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> when you have, uh, does time slow down in some of those moments? Oh yeah. It's wild. Um, going around the racetrack here at, uh, well, it used to be Miller Motorsports Park, you know, Utah Motorsports Campus. So going around the racetrack here, um, most of the tracks are like 
an average of two minutes or so, depending on the car and the conditions, but call it an average of two minutes. And when to get around the track, to get around the track. Correct. And when you have one of those moments where I, I get to look at the beautiful mountains that are surrounding us, the snow capped peaks, and I'm driving a race car and I'm just overwhelmed with, with that sense of, of purpose and being and gratitude. Um, suddenly it will seem it's still two minutes, but a lap will seem like significantly longer than that. It'll seem like 15, 20 minutes, half an hour. And I get done with that lap and I'm like, man, I've been out here a long time. Like, <laughs> am I supposed to, and I lose track of time. I'll, you know, cause as a, as a lead driver, as an instructor, I have to have the cars pass me or I shouldn't say pass me, but I have to have them rotate behind me. And so when I'm leading students around, we do what are called lead follow laps and we basically show them where to put the car and, and when to break, what to be doing. So I get to the end of the lap and I'm like, oh man, did I have them rotate last time? Do I need to do that again? Like I lose track of everything because it feels like so long. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Time definitely slows down quite a bit for me. How long have you been doing it? Um, I've been doing instructing and driving professionally for six years now. This is my sixth year full time. So I've been driving longer than that, but this is my income, my sole income for six years. How much because I'm just going to take advantage of getting the chance to chat with you about how different is it? Because like I think of myself as a good driver, right? Sure. Um, everybody does. Yeah, everybody <laughs> thinks they're a great driver, right? And I've even had like uh, extra driving uh, training and skills and things like that that yeah. I had to go through when I was a cop. And like you get taught, you know, certain techniques. And yeah, you went through the EVOC courses, the emergency yeah, yeah. vehicle operator courses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think I'm a good driver. And how different is you know, me thinking I'm a good driver and then getting in a race, race car and trying to go through a track or trying to do something like what you do. Um, you know, it, it sounds cliche, but it's a totally different ball game. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, everybody thinks they're a good driver. It's very 99% <laughs> of the people, you know, you run into to someone who's like, Oh no, I'm a terrible driver. You call me and you tell me who that person is. Cause I would like to thank them for their honesty. <laughs> uh, but those people are few and far between. So most of us believe we're good drivers. The challenge becomes, okay, well, because it's something that we all do, we all kind of naturally think, well, we were all taught the same way. We all passed the same test. You know, we, did this. And like a lot of people are like, Oh, my, my dad taught me how to drive. Well, no offense, but who the hell is your dad? <laughs> right. I mean, dad, was, That's oh, me. he was like, an accountant. <laughs> awesome. So he must've been a great driver, yeah. you know? Uh, and so it's, it's funny. We just sort of have this natural, I guess, arrogance about our own driving capability. Uh, and a lot of times people find out that it just doesn't apply on the racetrack. Um, there's things that you have to be able to feel, out of the race car, you have to be able to anticipate your vision. I mean, we're used to just sitting down in the car, looking straight out the window and life just passes you by on both sides. You're just looking out the window and you never really turn your head on a racetrack. You don't have the option of doing that. You pretty much have to be looking ahead. So there's a lot of things that change. Um, you're driving literally at the limit. Like, you know, when you've taken that highway off ramp and you've been like, Oh man, that's what it feels like the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and so most people are really uncomfortable with that and you put them in an environment like that and expect them to be quick. And most of them aren't. Um, so you really have to just get used to, to that balance of, of what the car is capable of and what you're capable of. Um, so it's, it's very, it's very different. Your goal is not to get somewhere. Your goal is to get 
to the same place repeatedly as fast as you possibly can. And so it, it, your whole intent changes. And at that point, when you, in, when you change your intent, you know, and as a former officer yourself, intent is everything, right? So if you change your intent, you change the situation drastically. And that's really where it comes. That's where, that's really what it comes down to. If, if you're trying to be fast, you're never going to be fast unless you really know what you're doing. Um, as an instructor, I find these beautiful moments with my students where, where we, I call them the aha moment, right? And, and that's what we do this for. Did you steal that from Oprah? I think you stole that oh, from Oprah. Oh God, I might have. <laughs> she has so many good ones. Um, no, I, I, there, the aha moment is, it's a thing. It's real, you know, when it clicks. And I think a lot of people, a lot of teachers and professors and, and instructors, whatever trainers, any of that, I think that's really why we do this because we love seeing people learn a new skill and have it click. And you can see the, the neurons fire or whatever you want to call it. Right. And all of a sudden, Oh man, I get it. That makes sense. Well, I had someone explain it to me one time, a student of mine actually explained this to me. And he said, there's four stages of learning. The first stage is unconscious incompetence. And I don't use that in a negative light at all, but it basically just means you don't know what you don't know. Think every teenager in the world, right? And then you have conscious incompetence. It's when you hit like 22 and you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, my parents aren't idiots, <laughs> you know, and they've been through all this stuff and like, wow, I really, I really have a lot to learn. And then you start learning that stuff and it becomes conscious competence, which means you know what you need to do, but you still have to process it. It's still a, a it's not second nature yet. And then you have unconscious competence, which is what, what drivers like myself try to get to. And you can do this in anything, but that's where you try to get to where it just comes naturally. And, uh, when you, when you get to that point, this whole world, this beautiful world of, um, ability and experience opens up to you. And as soon as you get to those worlds where, where you can experience things on a whole nother level and really get very finite about things and kind of pick yourself apart and improve yourself, it's phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, so I've been pretty excited about trying to work my way there within the spiritual world as well. Well, that whole idea, I think it's a beautiful thing to think about because everybody can think of something in their life where, whether it's a sport that you played or an instrument or, I mean, it really doesn't matter what it is. Once you devote enough time and energy into something, you kind of reach that point where you can't unconsciously do it Yeah, and it becomes very natural and it becomes such second nature to where you don't have to think in the process of doing it. Driving's a good thing or a good example on one, on one level Yeah, where we just drive, right? You don't really put a lot of thought into it anymore when you go out and start and pull out and drive. And we've got, you saw all the damn kids running around here. So those teenage <laughs> girls trying to learn how to drive. And it's hilarious because just the smallest, simplest things that you don't even consciously think about anymore, they struggle, like just simply making a right turn smoothly yeah. and breaking. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. It is funny to watch actually. But we spent so much time doing it now that you don't have to think about any of it. Exactly. So how beautiful would it be? Like, I think the idea of getting to a point in life where life is that unconsciously lived where, do you know what I mean? It flows yeah. so well and you can kind of move through it. And I mean, that's so damn challenging though. It is. Um, but obviously worth it. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess the real question to ask at that point is, can you get there? Yeah, I don't know. And if so how do you do it? Um, 
And so, so that's, I think the pursuit, you know, and you and I have discussed this a little in the past, but I think the conversation generally goes, if you're trying to achieve this goal that you, you believe is out there uh, and it's possible to attain, but you really don't know how to get there, um, what is your, what is the next best thing? And I think for, for people like you and I, I think it's chasing those moments of clarity. Uh, and not necessarily just those moments, but for me, at least finding those moments of, of belonging, this is where I belong right now. I'm exactly where I should be. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Those moments are more valuable to me than almost anything else, because that to me is, is life being lived. That's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And, uh, and so my goal is to try and find as many of those moments as possible and learn to, if I can someday learn to create them, uh, for myself. And now I'm basically finding, I'm at the stage in my life where I'm finding them more often and I'm learning to rewire my brain, you know, to, to accept new moments and to, to realize that it doesn't have to just be the dangerous stuff that I've always searched for. You know, it can be simple things. It can be taking a hike with my wife and seeing a beautiful view. And I'm sitting there with my, my wife and my dog, you know, and, and we, we joke my, my bitches, so to speak. Right. <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure somebody would not be happy with me saying that, but understand that it comes from a place of love. Uh, but it genuinely, those moments that you have with the people that are important to you, you know, suddenly those can become very, uh, fulfilling and, and gratitude inspiring moments. And so I've had, go ahead. I've had some recently just driving down the road and you look out the window and you say like, man, this place is really beautiful. Like, God, like, you know, thank you for letting me experience this. This is where I belong. And so I think accepting those and learning to see them in everyday life is my real challenge. Can you think of, cause I'm sitting here thinking about that whole dynamic of, I can think about a lot of different things that I've over my life that I've gotten really, really, really good at. Sure. That you can just do without thinking. And as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I don't feel like I've ever gotten to a point in my life where I've ever lived that way, lived that, um, confident in my ability to move through the day or move through the week or the month or the year, right. You know, completely unconsciously, not unconsciously, like you're disconnected and you're floating, but just with such a natural grace and flow where everything is like, when you're really good at something, you get into that, the zone, you get into that space yeah. where you aren't thinking anymore about what you're doing. You're just doing it and it feels really, really, really good. It feels right. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think I've probably had glimpses of that in my life, you know, periods of time where, and I'm not talking about, cause I'm obviously the things that I've done in my life have been part of my life. I'm talking about the big grand scheme of things like life sure. in general. I don't know if I've ever had a point in my life where I've consistently moved through life in such a way with that much flow and grace. Yeah. And I haven't either. Um, do you think it's something that, cause for me, I always think that life is such a practice, right? Sure. That everything that we do is just simply practice and that's all that it is. It's not a, it's not a thing where we're going to get to some point like this concept and idea that we're talking about. I don't even necessarily think it's something that we're, mm, that's the Heineken. <laughs> I don't think that's something that we're going to ever necessarily achieve, but I yeah. think the, the practice of working towards that is probably the important part. Well, and, and I agree with you. And I think that 
there's so many cliches that I, I use when I'm talking <laughs> about these things, but I really believe uh, a lot of them are accurate. And I think one that applies to this particular conversation is it's not the destination, it's the journey. Uh, because as much as, as we would all like to think that having this incredible flow and uh, comfort and confidence in life and going, you know, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, those moments where you're just like, oh my God, this is amazing. I mean, I can't imagine feeling like that all the time. I don't even know if that's possible. And I also believe that you can't appreciate the good times without the hard times, without the bad times. Um, and so I think it's an important balance to share. But I think striving to achieve more of those moments or more often, to have those moments more often or increase the length and the breadth and the depth of those moments Um that's that's basically at the end of the day that's my goal i don't ever think that i can really get to a point where i'm just you know short of maybe with some chemical enhancement i probably <laughs> wouldn't be able to get to that point like all the time yeah so um yeah i don't think it's the goal to get there and stay there all the time no and maybe maybe because i'm sitting this is one of the things i like about doing the podcast i get to talk to people about whatever the hell comes out and comes up yeah and undoubtedly i always have some aspect of it that's like like the conversation always, and whether it's me like subconsciously leading it that way, but it always seems very applicable to where I'm at in my life currently, regardless <laughs> of whatever point I'm at. Isn't that nuts? It's, I love it. It's really yeah. neat. But I think that, um, you know, if I can just bring awareness and if people in general can bring awareness to the fact that, like you said, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And if we can bring awareness to those moments in time where we are in and this sounds super shitty. Well, not shitty, but super... <laughs> uh, this sounds really kind of airy and fairy and light. But if we can recognize those moments when we are in flow yeah. and in that state and just, just have gratitude for it and recognition of it and then also like the realization of I I do have those moments. I do go there. I am, do you know what I mean? In I that feel state. those things. Yeah, I yeah. feel those things. And it's okay that I don't feel it on a regular basis. It's, it's okay that I don't move through every single day that way because sure. that's not the point. Yeah. And I don't think it's realistic. No, I don't either. And and I totally agree with you because ultimately, like I said, that that's what I chase because to me, that's when I feel most connected. Um, but I, it's definitely not. I don't think anyway that it's realistic to achieve that all the time. And honestly, even if it was, I don't know if I'd want that because with, with anything, you know, especially as a human, you know, repetition dehumanizes you. Uh, and, and I've always loved that concept, but basically the more you do something, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, drug use, right? Where you, you try a little bit and then next time it's a little more and a little more and a little more and you really kind of build up almost an immunity to it after a while and God, I wouldn't want that with these feelings. I wouldn't want to get to a point where it was like, man, I just, this doesn't mean the same thing to me. I, I can't, that would be, that would be a mistake uh, to, to demean those moments and those feelings by, by having them all the time. So yeah, yeah I totally agree. Um, one of the, one of the fascinating things that I've always, or recently, I should say within the past few years have really been toying with is the concept of how do I, how do I go through life as effectively as possible while maintaining as positive a frame of mind as I can, even through the bad things, but learning to embrace the bad things as I go. Um, 
So it, you know, so many people get spun up by these little arguments and little, little disagreements, you know, whether it's politics or hot topic issues or, you know, spirituality, sometimes talking to people about it is, is really funny for me because my (laughs) industry, it's like, people don't really want to talk about it. You know I mean? We're, we're for lack of a better term, adrenaline junkies, you know, and it's, it's mostly like these days, anybody that drives a car for a living is pretty conservative it's like if you're into saving the planet and going green and you're driving a prius (laughs) you're probably not racing it um and and i i love those people but it's really difficult to sit down with my dad who's voted republican for 45 50 years and and say yeah so let's talk about how i feel (laughs) you know and 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 the universe and you know i was raised catholic mom still goes to mass every week and so one of the things I've been playing with is how to have these conversations with people that are inherently uncomfortable discussing things of this nature. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're uncomfortable with the idea, but how do you, how do you bring it up? How do you share some of these great things with, with people that you're experiencing? How do you share it with them while still respecting whatever it is that, that they believe? Um, and and that's been kind of fun for me. You know, I've spent a lot of time chatting with my mom about it. And, uh, you know, I'm a confirmed Catholic, raised Catholic, very, I met my, my first girlfriend who I fortunately didn't end up with, but, uh, you know, we were very close to that. We met at church, right? I mean, that I, Sunday school, I lectured at church. I mean, youth group, the whole nine yards, I was on that path. And because of that, I have a great insight into that world. And so I'm able to have those conversations with my mom and with certain other people that are open enough to listen. And I can tell them, look, I, you know, regardless of how we feel about it or how I used to feel about it, this is something that's important to me. And this is something that I'd like to challenge you to experience. And as someone that, you know, I'm close to, man, give it a shot. Go, go try something that puts you outside of your comfort zone. You know, go, go to a reading, go just see what someone can do for you. And if you don't like it, fine, but chalk it up to another experience that you've had. And at least you gave it an honest shot because I find that I had these moments before I knew what they were. And when we kind of started figuring out what they were and started realizing what, and I say we, because my wife, Danny has been a big part of it, but when we started figuring out what they were and, and learning that this was something that was real and tangible and something that we can uh, not necessarily control, but that we can recognize and embrace, man, it just, it changed everything. And now the simplest little things can, can be the brightest moments of the day. And uh, it's, it's really opened a lot of things. And so being able to talk with people like my mom and say, look, you know, when you go hiking and you say, you know, oh, this is God's country, right? totally respect that that moment it's the same moment that i feel where you're you're grateful for where you are and you're you're it's this deep profound feeling that you have and to me i think those are very similar and just because we put a different name on it or a different label on it so to speak doesn't mean that they're not compatible so what is it about if you were raised catholic and you were brought up in that in that environment and everything like that what did it, what do you think it is about religion, whether it's Catholicism or whatever other religion is out there, but I think religion as a whole has a hard time stepping outside of their belief system. Yes. So 
spirituality is much more all-encompassing at times because it always, you know, sometimes people within that space has have the same kind of judgments and holdups and, and things some like of them that. also treat it like its own religion. Yes, but why do you think what did, what do you think it is about religion that has a difficult time? You know, like you said, if somebody that goes out into nature can feel very very connected to nature and recognize the the wonders of God and how he created everything and be very connected to that space and everything. And then you've got like a hippie that goes out into nature and thinks that it's Gaia and it's mother earth. And they're, do you know what I mean? Praying to the four winds and it's all the same stuff. But why is it that religion has a harder time opening up that, you know, that space where they're going to recognize it or. Dude, if I could answer that, I mean, that's, that's a big, <laughs> that's the million dollar question. Well, what about right? you? But like, me personally, uh, you know, and I, I, I mostly relate my experience to the Catholic faith, faith because that's what I know. Um, but I know that in the Catholic religion, I remember every Sunday leaving church and they would say, go forth and spread the word of God. Um, and by the way, I should probably say that I still believe in God. I don't know. I don't think God is a bearded white guy in the sky. (laughs) Uh, but I do believe in a higher power. I don't know what that is. And I have faith, but I don't necessarily believe that my job is to go forth and spread this particular word and, and say that this is the way it should be done. And I feel like a lot of religions have lost, and again, just my opinion, but I feel like a lot of religions have lost that. Maybe not even, maybe never even had a, a, they didn't really ever learn to embrace other ideas and the possibility that there's something else out there that might make more sense to them. And one of the best things my father did for me growing up was he said, you know what? You will go to church every week. I don't care what church it is. If you want to look into you know, the Mormon faith, if you want to learn about Joseph Smith, you want to go to a Protestant church, Baptist, you know, Hindu, Muslim, whatever, I will take you to whatever building or or place of prayer that you want to go to, but you will go to church. You will go to whatever every week and you will, you will be thankful for what you have. Um, and I always really, really respected that because that to me was more of an open line into what, what do I identify with? And I think that's more important than, than any group of people, any, any label that you could put on it is, is how do you feel about it? And I suppose in a long winded answer to your question, I think religions have often forgotten that they've often basically tried to cling on to their followers and say, we are the right way. And, you know, in particular, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of people screaming lately about, you know, the Islamic faith and how it's, violent and you hear all these things about it. And I really don't believe that. I think the vast majority of all religions are genuinely just good people that want to live their lives their way. They want to believe what they want to believe and they want to be left alone. I can respect that. So when you have a group of, of people that come together and say, you know what, we are the only way and, and you can't be right because we are the only way into heaven, you know, or, or, whatever you call it, right? We're the only acceptable belief system that I have a problem with. And I really didn't like that in the Catholic church because it was basically like in so many words, they said, if you don't believe what we believe, you can't get into heaven, you know? And so every religion says that. Yeah. And that drives me nuts. So 
Um, I got to ask you. So yeah. you said your dad gave you those options. Basically, it was like mm-hmm. y- you need to go to church, but it's up to you. You know, he's going to respect whatever you want to look at, whatever you want to try out, everything like that. Did you ever try any other religion? Did you ever did. seek out anything else? I did. Um, I had some Latter Day Saints come to the door one time. I explored that a little bit immediately didn't really identify <laughs> with it. Um, uh, you know, some of the things I was like, wait, they don't celebrate birthdays. Like, uh, I don't know about that. I like birthdays. <laughs> uh, no, in, in all seriousness, I, you know, I, I looked into it on the surface and just decided I don't really want to look into it anymore. Um, I looked at the Mormon faith. Um, I just, there was something about it that just stuck out to me that I just didn't identify with. The, so you said Latter-day Saints. Yeah. And then Mormons. LDS. So obviously they're, they're, they're the, same, the same, same thing. I understand that. But when we have people that, when you, all right, let me put it to you this way. <laughs> so people that come to the door that are, oh, I'm sorry, Jehovah's Witnesses is okay. what I should have said for the first, yeah, my bad. Okay. LDS, Mormon, get it. My bad. So the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, I got Yeah, you. so I met Jehovah's Witnesses in the first one. My apologies. So oh, good. Jehovah's Witnesses came to the door, didn't really dig that, right? And then we had some LDS come to the door, and and that was when I, I looked into um, Joseph Smith. And I actually did identify with, with some of it. Um, I was about 15, 16 when that happened, so you know the whole non-drinking alcohol thing wasn't really a concern for me at the time. I didn't really <laughs> drink at all. Uh, now that would be a bigger problem. But what stuck out to me was I, I just, I looked at it. It was a, it's a relatively in the, in the grand scheme of our history as human beings, it's a very young religion. Um, and something about it, it's, it's my understanding was that it's basically an American religion. It's started here. It's basically based here, particularly in Utah, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, I guess I saw some, some, opportunities for marketing in it. And I know that sounds silly, but I I thought Joseph Smith seems like the most American name of anybody (laughs) ever. And I I just, I, part of me, the back of my brain went, I wonder if they did that. So everybody would relate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that has never, that that's probably just me, you know, being whatever. I, I understand that might be offensive to some people, but that's what I was thinking. And I couldn't ever let that go. And so to me, just the fact that I had that thought in the back of my mind kind of made me feel like, okay, maybe I don't identify with, with all of their beliefs. I can get on board with a lot of them. I love the fact that they have people, they have their young people go out on missions and basically spread, spread the, the ideals and you have to learn the ideals. But, but at the same time, I never liked being told, go forth and spread the word of God. So in this religion where you're basically part of your rite of passage, so to speak, is to go forth and go to people and try to spread the faith. I, my thought was always, well, if it's that good, shouldn't it spread itself? And I understand maybe that's not how people view it, but I just, that's how I feel. I think that if you really believe in something, you shouldn't, you should be able to have an open and honest conversation and you shouldn't have to go to people and say, Hey, you want to talk about this? It should just (laughs) kind of happen naturally. And so, so I didn't, I didn't identify with it. Um, I have a lot of great Mormon friends. Um, my wife's grandmother was Mormon, is Mormon, I guess. Um, so, you know, I have like, I, I've had a lot of experience with, uh, with uh, the LDS church, but it's not. At what I point do. did you kind of feel like, um, 
Oh, this is one of the questions I wanted to ask you. So, yeah. so obviously I know a little bit about you. I know a little about your wife, Danny and everything like that. So we have a, I have, I have obviously more information than the listeners have. Um, but Danny's very connected. She's very intuitive. Yes. She's very much, um, spiritually inclined in so many wonderful, amazing ways. Yeah. And like, was there ever an aspect of you during your guys' relationship where you really, when she started to kind of open up and explore and discover things, like, did you have a difficult time, um, I guess, connecting? Like, oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So she's got all these crazy things that she's thinking about or things that she's starting to look into. Oh, yeah. And they are crazy. Yeah. They're very much. <laughs> and then, so how did you? manage that dynamic, that space where, you know, your wife's, and this is obviously could be applied to anything, right? You yeah. are, your significant others kind of going down a rabbit hole that you don't really align with. You don't really think much about. So how did you manage your way through that? And then, and then we'll yeah. go ahead no, and answer right. that. Continue. No, you're good. I'll, I, won't, I won't forget. You won't forget. All right, cool. Um, so I guess for, for those of you that don't know my wife, uh, <laughs> almost said Danielle Wilson. That's her old name. Uh, Danielle Fry <laughs> now. Uh, she is basically the light of my life and she's opened up my eyes and my mind to so many other aspects of life. Um, but again, coming from a Catholic background and, and very much kind of, I always challenge things. I'm the devil's advocate and she hates it when I do it in our relationship, but I challenge everything. But I've seen her do some things that I just cannot explain and, and science cannot explain. And, uh, it's, it's just opened my eyes to see someone that I love and that I trust and that I know. And she, there's no way that she could explain it either. Um, to have, and I'll, I guess I can tell one of the stories. So we had been, first of all, she's the reason I'm driving for a living. Um, I was running a shop in Bozeman, Montana and, got an opportunity to go drive, go instruct for the season in Steamboat Springs at the Bridgestone Winter Driving School. And, uh, I wasn't going to do it. You know, I had this business to run. I just hired a new employee. I was also coaching the ski team. Um, you know, we just started this big promotion and, uh, I was like, I don't think I can do it. Like, this is my dream. I've always wanted to do this, but I don't think I can. And she looked at me and without any falter at all, she said, if you don't do this, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. And you know, I'm right, which was really the part that got me. <laughs> uh, but she was absolutely right. And I knew, and I, I knew she was right. Um, and, and she quit her job to run the shop for me while I went and played with cars for three months in Colorado. So, uh, thank you. But anyway, she, she has, she opened this world for me just by knowing. And she, you know, she knew, there was very few times in our relationship she said something to me that steadfast. And uh, that that was a huge moment in my life. Um, another one was when we got our dog, Camber. So we'd been looking for uh, for a dog for about a year. It was like 10 or 11 months, something like that. And we'd go in every three or four weeks to the Heart of the Valley Animal Shelter in Bozeman. And one day we're driving in and I don't even know how many animals we had seen. We're on the way in, haven't even gotten there yet. And she just turns and looks at me in the truck and she goes, we're going to get a dog today. And, and I'm like, what, what, <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you mean? And she goes, I just, I, we're just going to, we're getting a dog today. I don't know why I just have this feeling. 
And this was the first time she'd ever done anything like this really. And so I, uh, looked at her and I'm kind of, I didn't know how to handle that. I'm kind of like, uh, okay, I guess we're going to get a dog today. Right. And I guess, I guess she's sick of going into this pound. We'll just pick one out, you know, whatever. Well, our rule for each other the whole time had been the dog has to pick us. We both have to look at each other and just know that it's the right dog. So we go there we look through the 30, 40 dogs they have, whatever. We're walking out of the building. Nothing, no dogs really jump at us. Walking out of the building, I'm giving her shit. I'm going, <laughs> oh yeah, so we're going to get a dog today, right? You know, that's, I thought you said we were getting a dog. She's like, I don't know. I just, I still have this feeling. I don't know what's going on. As I'm giving her a hard time, the guy behind the counter goes, excuse me. Hey, you know, I've seen you guys come in here several times. You mind if I ask what you're looking for? So I told him and, uh, <laughs> he goes, you know, um, I have a dog in quarantine actually that she's not exactly what you're looking for, but she's pretty close. I think she might be a good fit for you guys. That's Camber. That's our dog. Um, no way she could have possibly known that, yeah. you know? So I've seen her do multiple things like that. And it's just, it was hard for me to accept that that was real. Um, I still don't know how to explain it, <laughs> but, but she grew up in, she grew up in Montana. Her family is very, she's fifth generation Montanan and her family are amazing most of them are not like that. They're just normal people. They drink beer, they hang out with family. I mean, they're just normal down to earth people. And none of them really have that gift, so to speak, or if they do, they don't really talk about it openly. And, um, to have her knowing her family and her background and have her start getting into this, you know, I, of course I want to encourage her to do something that she loves. And so that was a challenge to me to, hear stuff that especially growing up Catholic and knowing her background going my, the back of my brain is going like, Oh, fucking look away. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, but, but because I love her and because I know that she's doing it because, because she can do it because I've seen her do it. You don't see someone's gift and tell them not to pursue it. I believe. And, uh, I really believe that she has a gift and I think she's going to help a lot of people. I know she already has. She's done more for me than anyone ever could, you know, save for maybe my mom. Right. So I just, how I got through it was I had a woman that loved and supported me and encouraged me to go down this path of, of following my dreams, which I quite frankly would have been too chicken shit to do on my own. And I've seen her do things that I cannot explain. And I love her and I want to do the same thing for her that she did for me. I want to encourage her to go down those paths and jump over the obstacles and figure out whatever she has to do to accomplish whatever goals it is that she needs to accomplish. So to me, I was a little lucky in that I had somebody who has the ability and has shown it to me before she even knew what it was. And that made it a lot easier for me to support that and to say, you need to do this because she'd already done that for me. Um, so in that way, I'm very lucky and, and people that, uh, may be struggling with a significant other who's going down this path and it's very, it's new and it's un, it's kind of unreal and it's uncomfortable. Um, get involved. If, if it really bothers you and you're not sure, what's going on. Make sure that you have a good reason 
to be unsure, to, to dislike it. Because what I always found, or I shouldn't say always, but what I often find when I have these conversations with people is that they're uncomfortable because they're uninformed and they don't really have enough information or experience to make a, uh, to make a decision on how they really feel about it. It's like, as if I were going to try to tell the government how to run healthcare, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I drive race cars for a living. All I want to know is that when I get in an accident, I know I don't want to be, you know, in millions of dollars of debt. So really you just need to, you got to give it a shot. You got to give it a fair shot. And and I think that was, that was the realization that I probably never would have had if she hadn't have been able to, to show me that it's a real thing and that spirituality is a valid thing to pursue. Um, so yeah, I really, I can't thank her enough because she's really opened a world to me that I never really knew existed and that I wasn't aware could be such a profound impact, could have such a profound impact on my life. Have you taken any of the, um, I guess ideas or concepts or beliefs for lack of a better term? Cause I think that all, you know, like if we think about spirituality or the teachings behind energy healing or the, you know, the universe or whatever the case may be, they're just beliefs of yeah. somebody else. And you have to make those beliefs yours. You have to take them and turn them into your beliefs, right? But have you taken any of the uh, ideas or concepts and been able to really see a shift and change in the way that you now move through life in a different way because you now look at things in a different way or feel yeah. things in a different way? Or um, One of the biggest ones was just, I mean, there's so many different concepts. And like you said, everybody has different things that they latch on to. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously I've been talking a lot about these moments of gratitude and that's because it's very important to me. I mean, maybe that's not as important to you or to, to Danny or to anybody. Um, but I think the fact that there's so much out there and so many possibilities and, and so much that we as human beings maybe don't understand or maybe aren't meant to understand yet. Um, I think the biggest thing that we can do is be open to possibilities and, and to the, to the possibility that there's more out there than we understand. You know, I mean, how many religions are there? Good God, there's so many of them, you know what I mean? And, but so I keep going, I keep relating this back to my wife because she really is kind of like my segue into this world. Um, but so, so Danny or, or she, as she calls herself the strategic optimist, which I love, uh, she does, she, she has this amazing analogy for religions and she says religions are like a mountain or God itself, God himself, herself, whatever is like a mountain. And the top is obscured in clouds. Nobody knows exactly what's up there. We know that we want to get there, but we have no idea what's up there. There's a million different pathways you can take. And some of them converge. Some of them join, some of them, cross each other. Some of them are on their own and do their own weird thing and they go the hard way, right? The point is they all go to the same place and they're all arguing over what's up there that place, and is. none of them really can prove it. None of yeah. them really know. And it's funny cause you'll ask, you'll ask any one of them be like, so what, what's up there? And they'll tell you with a hundred percent certainty, this is what's there. And you ask somebody else and they're like, dude, you're out of your mind. Like, it's definitely not that it's this. Even in the same, you know, even the same people that carry a, a similar or same belief system. Yeah. Have that much disparity between what they believe. Right. What do you think, like under your estimation, as far as all the, um, 
at this point in your life, what do you feel? Because that's a beautiful analogy. I really like that. Yeah, she did a great job with that one. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) Um, What do you think is up there above the clouds on top of that mountain? Um, What I would like to believe, or I say what what I maybe what I do believe, but that it, it it is a moving, changing target, so to speak, because I am I am open to new ideas. Or I try to be anyway. It's it's hard to say you're you're. If I don't think you're honest if you say you're totally open, because there's certain things that people will say to me. I'll be like, you're ready for mind. Yeah, like, no way. <laughs> uh, but I do try to understand where people are coming from, and so it's a moving target. But to me, right now, what I believe is that after death, which I think is basically the the great the great barrier that we all have to uh, to pass through. Um. We all go through it, which is amazing because, you know, I mean, you can, it's funny to me. I was talking about this today with one of my students. All you have to do is say, look, man, I mean, we're alive right now and we're going to die regardless of what you believe in. We're all going to die. So can't we share something in common? Like we all have that, you know? (laughs) Uh, But anyway, once we pass through, through death, which is this great unknown, right? I truly believe that we learn something and I don't know what that something is, but I believe that we get to rejoin with whatever is beyond, whether that be individual souls, family, friends, whether we're all part of one larger uh, universe or life force or whatever you want to call it. And we kind of get to come back together and reconnect in one way with, with our other selves. Um, I believe there's some sort of, of passage from this life into whatever is beyond. I don't necessarily think that reincarnate. I can't decide what I think about reincarnation. I don't yeah. know if living other lives is, is a thing or not. I'm not saying it's not. I just don't know if I buy into it. Um, so to me, what I, what I really think happens is you get to rejoin the life force and you get to take your experiences living in this life. My experiences in this body, in this existence, this plane of existence, this time period, I get to share that with everybody else, uh, whether that's, you know, my grandparents who unfortunately I didn't know very well growing up and were gone before I was really old enough to appreciate them, whether that's, you know, with my friends that I've lost over the years or people I've never met. I think we all get to share those experiences because ultimately I do believe we are connected much deeper than, um, we have realized yet as, as a species. I just don't think we've really under, we've fully grasped what's out there. Um, I don't think we have a clue. I really right? don't either. I mean, how, how long yeah. have we been human beings? Like how, you know, as far oh, as it's a drop in the bucket. Goes, right. Yeah. And, but yet at the same time, we've had a lot of time to think about it mm-hmm. and a lot of time to come up with different ideas. And obviously we have come up with massively different ideas yeah. in regards to what happens after we die. I'm going to share with you one of my ideas. Yeah. Great. Because mine is always shifting and changing and evolving. And, you know, I'll believe like steadfast this one idea. And I'm like, I've got it figured out and I've made peace with it. And then a year later it's flipped. And so I don't even worry. <laughs> like, I don't think it's important to necessarily, I don't feel like I have to have that definitive belief in regards to this is what's going to happen. Or right. I don't either. This is what exists out there. Yeah. I'm okay with that unknown aspect of it. And I kind of like playing around in the possibilities of what could be. Right. <clears throat> so you mentioned like we will pass through some sort of, 
I'm not going to say veil because I hate that whole idea, but we die, we gathered knowledge or whatever during that process, and then we get to rejoin some sort of collective or life force or go back into that space where all energy converges together. Mm -hmm. I think that, because that's beautiful, right? And I think that's very much yeah. a possibility. But I always think about, like if I think about the way that humans work, but more importantly, like uh, the planet works, right? Because the planet and all the different things that exist on this planet work far differently than we do as humans. And really all they're concerned with is survival. Right. From plants to animals, from the earth itself, its only concern is survival. And granted, that's our concern as well on one level, but we also have all these other issues and all these other things that we've kind of clouded that with. So if we think about survival really being the only focus... I think we created ourselves, so that big, huge collective consciousness of energy or whatever exists out there, created humans, and the reason we created them and gave them these bodies and this experience and this ability to feel, I think it all comes back to emotion and our ability to feel emotion, regardless of whether it's good or bad. I think it's simply just to produce energy. Because think about when you're really, really happy, the amount of energy that you're producing and that you're feeling and that you're putting off, right? Oh, yeah. And then and when you're really, really sad and depressed and angry and your life is just shit and horrible things have just happened, you're still putting off energy. So I think we're, I think that's the only purpose for us on this planet. I think that's the reason behind life is we're simply just here processing emotion so that we can continue to push forward forth energy into the universe, which helps the universe survive and grow and expand and continue to do what it does. So that's actually a fascinating concept. Would you, I'll challenge you on a, on a further question then. Would you mm. say that you can't challenge me. I can't challenge you. No, it's, it's my podcast. So. It's, <laughs> got it. All right. So would you say then that, uh, because I do find, uh, science is, is, amazing to me you know in space and and i i believe that there's other life out there i have uh -huh. no idea what it looks like i'm pretty sure they don't speak english <laughs> but <laughs> i mean genuinely i do how believe cool there's would life that be out if there. they did though right how crazy would that be uh, yeah it'd be wild but i do i do thank you by the way for the beer i do really think that uh there's other life out there so does that does your uh, does your belief allow for allow for that? Because there's so many people to think like well, and and I meet them through all religions and all beliefs, even even through spiritual beliefs. I think a lot of people are kind of like, well, humans are special, and and so we do this, and we you know we're like you said, we process uh, emotion and to put out energy. Do you believe that that there are other species out there um, that are capable of that same processing power, so to speak? I think most definitely. Okay. I think that, um, I th undoubtedly, I think that there's other things that exist in the universe that are life form like, right? Whether they're exactly the same as we are or they're different or whatever the case may be. And I'm sure that there's other forms of energy and life out there that exists and their purpose is the same thing to produce energy. But I think that there's probably different ways of producing it. I think that our way of producing it isn't unique to us. And like, we're the only ones that can process and feel emotion. But think about like, uh, like that big debate or the big thing between do animals feel like, do animals have emotion? Yeah. 
And some people think undoubtedly, yes, that they do, right? I, I would say that. Right? Like like your dog, you talk about I can dog. look into her eyes and watch her figure things out and when yes. she's happy when I come home. I mean, I, yeah. But what if she's just responding to your energy? Like what if she doesn't actually have the ability to process emotion herself? She's just simply reflecting back because it's important for her survival to recognize what energy exists around her, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I... I, what the hell uh, you asked? I got off track because I was thinking about. No, no, that's, I, <laughs> I want to go back to that actually. But do well, go continue. ahead. No, no, it's all right. Keep going. I, I can't I remember what the hell I was going to say. Oh, all right. Um, well, I, was, I did. I was asking about like, do you think there's other uh, other species out there that can process? You know, yeah, whatever. and I, I think there is. I think that there's probably plenty of other life forms and species that exist because I think the universe in that big ball of energy that we all stem from isn't just we stem from it. I think the entire galaxy, universe, cosmos, everything in existence to infinity and beyond stem from that to same. To quote Buzz Lightyear. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it all stems from that same place. Okay. And so it makes sense to me that whatever life form is over here doing whatever it is that it's doing and processing whatever it is it processing, same thing. It's probably focused or the purpose is to once again just feed the big collective, right? We're yeah. just feeding energy back to the universe in order to help the universe continue to expand and grow and survive. I think that makes perfect sense. Um, I guess at the end of the day, it's it's really more about what is... Okay, so on that same note, I guess. So you were mentioning, um, you know, like the dog is, is or, or an animal. There is their response based on survival because they, they feel like they need to reflect, maybe be a mirror of our emotions and our feelings. So... I guess what I would ask you then is that two questions. Number one, is it possible? Is it not like a light switch, you know? And by that, I mean the ability to process emotion and turn it into energy. It's, is it either like you have it or you don't, or are there different levels of being able to do that? Because what I could see potentially, and this is something I've never thought of, so it's just on the spot here, but what I could see potentially is I come home from being gone for two weeks, three weeks on the road. Right. And I walk in the door and yeah, Danny's excited to see me. Big hug, kiss. Good to see you, babe. That's it. If I'm in the worst mood, cause I just got delayed for six hours and my flight was late and I sat next to a screaming baby the whole way. And I'm just like angry. My dog is still overjoyed to see me. And, and you can see it on her face. You can see the genuine happiness. I believe that animals feel. Okay, I don't think... I mean, I, I always like to play devil's advocate too. Sure. You talked about that earlier. Right. I think that they totally feel. I think that they have the same purpose. That they're just processing energy. They're just expanding upon the universe and helping it grow and expand and all those other kind of things. But even that concept and idea, I still like to challenge and question and think like, maybe I'm totally off. Maybe it's... Maybe we really do just die. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think about that a lot. Maybe it's just evolution and we came from single-celled organisms and this is the point that we're at now and we may continue and progress further. Yeah. Or we may not. I mean, there's a good chance that we may just go back to the earth. I, I would actually, I totally agree with you. And that's, I think that's the challenge because for, for people that, uh, like ourselves that, I, I mean, I believe in science. I think science is, is one of the arguably the most important thing that humanity has ever created because basically what it is it's it's proof and and you have to find 
excuse me, there's the Heineken. Mm. You have to find finite proof to, to achieve anything, to really have evidence of something. That's fascinating. We don't do that in religion. We don't do that in faith. That's why they call it faith. Right? You, you have to take something on a belief. So for someone like myself that believes in science, and I, and I watch these, one of my favorite uh, miniseries to watch is Into the Universe with Stephen Hawking. I know everybody loves Cosmos, uh, you know, first with Carl Sagan and then with um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Phenomenal individuals. But I do find deGrasse Tyson to be a little bit cold when it comes to certain things. I think he's a little, uh, like he's a little, um, conceited. I would, yeah. Arrogant. Yeah. Brazen. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, and I don't, I don't necessarily say those things in a negative light, but I feel like he's <laughs> so scientific that he's not willing to embrace the possibilities that, that science can't answer yet. Um, and that's one of the things that I, I, that I struggle with in cosmos because basically he's, he's almost like a religion. He basically says, this is how it is period. Yeah. And while I can totally respect that faith, I see that same faith in people that sort of shunned me from the Catholic church when I came home from college and hadn't been going to church regularly. Uh, and, and I challenged them saying like, I mean, do you guys really think it's okay that there's hundreds, if not thousands of scrolls of these stories and information that have never been released publicly? They're just in, in, a, in a basement in the Vatican somewhere. Do you really think that's okay? And they're like, well, I mean, this is what we believe. This is, you know, you can't, how dare you challenge this, right? And I feel like DeGrasse Tyson is very similar in that if you challenge science, uh, he will, in so many words, tell you to go screw yourself. And yeah, so I, I'm with you, but I do think there's room for both. Well, think of how many times in history that science changed. Yeah. <laughs> Where we thought, undoubtedly, this is exactly the, earth the way. earth was that, flat. Yeah, the earth was flat or, <laughs> you know, whatever it was. Like we are constantly, and when I say we, like human uh, yeah. mankind is I'm constantly. not very scientific. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, not, I'm not part of that we. Yeah. But they're taking the ideas and concepts that we base our reality off of in a scientific way and realizing, oh, wait, we got it wrong. Yeah. Like it's really this now. Well, and that's what's fascinating about science. I think that's one thing that got right because because religion for the most part doesn't do that. That was one of the reasons I loved, uh, I, I believe it's Pope Francis right now. Um, I am a little removed from the Catholic Church lately, so for the last <laughs> like 15 years, so pardon me if that's incorrect, but the most recent Pope uh, came forward and said, you know, there's actually room for science and, and we don't need to dismiss scientific evidence. There's room to accept these things. That was earth shattering for a lot of people and uh, a lot of people that I knew personally. But I remember having conversations with people and saying, don't you think this is a good thing? I understand that it challenges a lot of people to think outside your comfort zone, but isn't that really how we grow? Isn't that really how you experience new things is to push yourself outside your comfort zone? Um, and, and I think that Stephen Hawking seems to, and I obviously don't know him personally, but I, I feel like he's a little bit more open to ideas that can't be explored yet. Um, in his series, uh, which again, I'd highly recommend, uh, into the universe, they explore, uh, in one episode, it's a mini series. I think it's like four or five episodes. And one of the episodes, they explore the possibility of life on other planets, right? Well, you know, due to the, just the sheer number of planets out there, like, of course he thinks it's a possibility, but 
he also explores the possibility that it might not look like what we're used to. You know, he talks about instead of we're carbon based life forms, he talks about uh, nitrogen based life forms or, or other, you know, that might move significantly slower because there's significantly less energy further away from the base star. Right. And so they're they might live significantly longer for hundreds, if not thousands of, of years. And they might live similar lives, but everything just happens at an incredibly slow speed compared to what we're doing. I thought it was a fascinating concept. The fact is he's open to people. When, when I hear people ask him questions, he generally will say, well, that's an interesting thought. Here's why I don't agree with it, or here's why it could be possible. Um, I, I don't feel like I get that from DeGrasse Tyson. I feel like it's just like, nope, this is how it is. Uh, and so I guess to come full circle, um, the, the science thing to me, it's, it's fascinating. And I really do believe in science. I think there's so much to the universe that we can physically put a finger on and we can say, this is real and we can prove this. I don't know if you recently saw the pictures of uh, Saturn with the rings that one of their spacecraft just took. No. I, it's the most advanced, most uh, amazing photo, real photo. Like we sent a spacecraft to Saturn and you can see the clouds on Saturn and the rings in the, it is stunning and it's real. And that to me is, is amazing. I hope genuinely, I hope that within our lifetime, we get to see a human being set foot on Mars. I, I'm almost sure, certain that we will. I hope so. There's another, uh, there's the, oh God, it's on National Geographic or something. It's called Mars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you watched that? That's a phenomenal series. Yeah. yeah. And Elon Musk totally have a man crush on the guy. Yeah. I, I just adore what he does. He's. He's basically Batman. I mean, if you think about it, like he's a billionaire, but I, to, to my knowledge, he's really one of the only, if not the only billionaires to actually step up and say, you know what, this is what I believe in. I'm going to do this with the solar roofs. And, um, you know, it, it, part of me is like, oh, whoopee, you know, solar panels, but he's, he's doing it. Like his company built Tesla, which is arguably one of the fastest streetcars in the world, just because it has torque all the time. There's the car nerd in me again, right? <laughs> And SpaceX, I don't know if you guys, if you haven't seen the video of them landing a rocket backwards, like landing a rocket and it, it just, the video ends and there it is. It's just standing right there. And that whole con, like, cause that, I, I knew nothing about SpaceX and nothing, in, you know, I didn't know anything about any of that until I watched that series. Oh, it's great. Mars. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole idea that that's what it's going to take. And the, like, those are the people that are like Stephen Hawking, where they're thinking about these things outside of the box, right? Like, not only should we go to Mars, but what is it actually going to take to not just get there and live there, but like the fine, like the fact that we sent rovers there, I think is amazing. Yeah. And that whole process and the fact that like we had them intended to, you know, last for like three months and they lasted for three years. And that's and, the best we can do right now. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole, like the idea that there's people out there that are consciously thinking about how how to send us there, how to land us there, how to make sure that we can live there and survive there. How to and... cognitively make it there. Mm -hmm. to, to, I mean, we've never explored that. The furthest we've ever gone is the moon. And a lot of people will tell you that wasn't even real, right? Yeah. But which is, I feel like kind of insulting to the men that actually stood there. But one of my <laughs> favorite quotes, um, I don't remember if it's, oh God, I always mess it up. I don't remember if it was Neil Armstrong or it was one of the astronauts, the Apollo astronauts who said, you stand on the surface of the moon. And you look back at this little blue ball floating in this vast emptiness of black of nothingness. 
and it just makes you want to grab every politician by the, the by their neck and just go look at this don't you understand what it is that we're doing like how alone we really are i thought it was fascinating but to get, i mean imagine what it took to get that perspective you know i mean that's an incredible amount of perspective and uh, a lot of people too oh, it was photoshopped you know yeah. whatever but which i don't believe for a second but i think in our lifetime, if we can put, even if it's not in our lifetime, if we can put a human being on Mars, it's a phenomenal concept because that's basically the human beings. This is our species saying to the universe and to any other species that may be watching us, right? Any, any it's, we're putting it out there. We're saying we are not going to be relegated to one planet. We are going to survive no matter what it takes. And we are going to travel the stars. That's unreal to me to be able to be part of that step and, and be alive for that moment in human history would be one of the greatest honors ever, you know, cause once, once you get to that step, it's like, okay, we've done it. We're there now going to the next planet. Yeah, that's great. But it's never going to be as cool as going to the, 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 the first planet. There'll be cool stuff though. Like, yeah. I mean, like I think when it comes to space travel and all the possibilities and I mean, just the mere fact that we were able to land somebody on the moon, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Oh, it's nuts. That's amazing. 1969, man. But I think that undoubtedly we'll see somebody go to Mars in our lifetime. Yeah. I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility. I think it's probably like within the span of the next 20, 30 years. I hope so. That it's probably going to happen. Yeah. One of the things that I think is really funny and fascinating as well is if you think about the way that we perceive the galaxy, right? So we're on earth, we're on this little blue ball and we're looking out and we're always thinking like there has to be life out there or we're searching for life out there. But yet we don't have a really good way to do that. Yes, we've got wonderful <laughs> telescopes and we yeah. can shoot satellites out into, you know, we've got all this advanced technology. But when you think about the scope of the universe, like we aren't doing shit. We don't even have a number. We don't even have a number to describe how many planets there are. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's so unfathomable to the human brain. Yeah. And that whole thing too, where people think, well, if there's intelligent life out there, why haven't they found us? It's like, well, we're not doing any better. <laughs> yeah. So it's not. Where is everybody? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what's on the planet next door to us, man. Like how do how, how the hell are they supposed to know? It's yeah. fascinating stuff. It really is, man. But but I think to to I guess bring it back to um to spirituality, I think there's room for both. I really do believe that. Because ultimately, I mean, look at look at some of the best athletes in the world. They go to the Olympics, right? And um we, they don't call it cognitive training, but they basically they do visualization, right? That's a real thing that that a majority of of top level world-class athletes do on a regular basis. They visualize winning that right there is proof to me that there's, that there's a reality to it. Right. I mean, having someone just sit down and visualize, I mean, the secret I think is one of that. That's the movie that kind of turned me on to a lot of these things and turned on a lot of people to it. I yeah. Think. I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. Um, you know, I think you, you put out the thoughts that you want, you attract more of those thoughts, those vibrations, right? That makes sense to me. And it also kind of makes sense scientifically, but ultimately you have these, you have these athletes, you have this, this proof, so to speak, that, that high, the highest level of people in sports think that there's something to this, to the point where it's, it's 
abnormal now, from my understanding, it's abnormal if you don't do that. There's certain countries that, you know, their cultures maybe don't necessarily embrace it as much, but but particularly for the U.S. Olympic team, it's kind of weird if you don't visualize things, <laughs> you know? And so I just, I can't, for the life of me, I can't believe that we've had the best athletes in the world trying something for, for years and years and seemingly having good success with it, and there's nothing to it. I can't believe that billions and billions of people over let's just say the last 2017 years since, you know, the, the birth of Christ or whatever, since the beginning of our time, right? I don't believe for a second that billions of people have believed in some sort of afterlife and I'm just going to die and it's all going to go black and my whole experience <laughs> is not going to exist. I mean, science can't even prove they, they can account for it's like 99.99% of what's in your body. You know, whether it's the carbon or the, you know, all the, all this, but they're, they're like, well, we don't know about that last tiny little bit there. We're not sure what that is, but it's, I want, it's gotta be there. I'm sure it's, we just said we can't see it yet. Like, well, maybe you can't see it cause we never can see it until we're done till we're gone. Right. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe someday they'll, someday they'll be able to account for the last little percentage and say, okay, yes, it really is. Maybe, maybe we do just die. I mean, I have no idea, but that to me, I think is the most fascinating concept because you can look at it and you can say, I don't know. And I'm okay with that. I don't need to know. I don't need to know exactly what happens. So I think there's been times in my life where I've needed to know. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think that fluctuates and changes because mm -hmm. I can definitely it's not hard for me to imagine that I'm going to get to another point in my life where I feel like I really need to know and I really need to like bring the troops home and solidify my belief system in regards to what happens to, you know, me after I die. Um, but then I also can transition because I really don't care. Like I'm really at peace with whatever it may be, whether right. I go back up to the big ball in the sky and complete my cycle on this planet as a battery producing energy and or if I get reincarnated, or if I go back to dirt, I don't really care what happens. And it's like you said earlier, I mean, it's not about the destination, it's that journey, it's that aspect of right. just enjoying this experience and all the dynamic ways and all the different things that it has to offer. Yeah. Would you say that those <laughs> moments in life where you feel like you need that, uh, that belief or, or what have you, would you say that those are usually more difficult periods in your life? Uh, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, I can definitely think of some in my past and things like that. And I can, you know, foresee things in the future getting difficult. And I think any time that I, any time that I feel like I have to really solidify answers in my mind is when I feel an obligation to somebody else. And so I'm thinking about like my kids, like I feel like I really have to have answers for the questions that they're going to ask and that they have asked and that they're facing. And then when you come across difficult things in life, whether it's the loss of a loved one or do you know what I mean? Even like a family pet or something like that right. dies. Um, there's a certain amount of, you feel obligation as a parent to come forth with an answer, but then it's, it's definitely an opportunity for me personally too, in my own kind of growth and evolution where it's okay to not have those answers and it's also okay to express that to your child or to whoever it may be, right? And so that they understand because it's going to help them in their journey and in their life when they become adults or when they become older and more mature to realize that they don't need to have the answers to everything, especially right. the big fucking questions like what happens when we die. They don't have to know that. And they yeah. can still be happy and they can still progress throughout life. But 
And you don't have to know those things. No. Yeah. I So one thing that, that on that same note, um, I think might be an interesting talking point. When you lose a significant, not even a significant other, when you lose somebody important to you, a family member or even, even a pet, right? And you kind of, you're sort of forced uh, into, into that realm to think about those things. Cause it is ultimately, it's a little uncomfortable sometimes. So sometimes you get forced into that. And when you lose somebody, it's amazing how many people will say the words verbatim. They will say they're in a better place. And that transcends pretty much all religions and all belief systems. Because ultimately the, the belief is that they are genuinely in a better place. And I think that actually says something even deeper. I think it, it, it's not that they come forth and say, oh, he's going to heaven. He's in a better place. They choose that even though they might believe very deeply and profoundly that, you know, they're in heaven or they went to Valhalla or, you know, whatever. They, they, so many people won't say that. And part of me is wondering, well, maybe they don't say that because nobody really clear or most people maybe don't fully believe what it is that they say that they think they believe. Maybe subconsciously their brain is going, eh, maybe that's not a hundred percent accurate. I think we're definitely regurgitating shit, right? Like we're yeah. totally just taking the beliefs of whether it's our parents or the, or the community or society that we kind of were brought up in and just using those as our own beliefs. Yeah. And I think a vast majority of people out there in society don't ever really question those beliefs or search for their own answers. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, like you said, like they're in a better place. And that whole idea or concept that this place that we're in now is somehow shittier yeah. <laughs> than the place that we're going to be going to. Like that just has to be the case where, you know, this life is so miserable and hard and fraught with things that we have to survive that hopefully or undoubtedly whatever we're going to next is going to be better. Yeah. And I think that's completely ass backwards. I think that there's absolutely nothing wrong with this place. I think yeah. this place is absolutely beautiful agree. in all the beautiful ways that it is beautiful. And I think whatever we go to next is going to be shitty. I think it's going to have its ups and downs. I don't, I don't think when we go back to the universe and turn back into beautiful light beings or soul, whatever the hell it is, I think that that still, that space and that time still has its ups and downs. Yeah. Well, I think perfection is, uh, I don't think you can ever achieve it. I mean, ultimately the universe, I guess, is as perfect as you could ever get, right? It has its laws, but a lot of them can be bent. Some of them can probably be broken and we just don't know about it. Um, it's fascinating to me that you can take a concept, uh, you know, like life to begin with. What's the, what's, what's the, the ultimate question? What is life? What are we, why are we here? What is the purpose of life? Right. Boy, we're getting into some deep waters here. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you, you ask those questions, obviously nobody knows the answer to that. Right. I mean, at least it's obvious to me, but a lot of people will tell you they do, but you ask those questions and you think, okay, well, is it even possible to ever find the answer to that? Because if we did find the answer, if we did find out what is the purpose of life, are we just supposed to be, like you said, batteries, so to speak, to, um, you know, process emotion and turn it into energy? If that is truly our purpose, 
does knowing that purpose, regardless of what it is, does knowing that purpose change our ability to make a decision whether or not to do that? Do we have the ability to, it's kind of like knowing your future, right? If, If you know your purpose, wouldn't you theoretically know your future? And if you know your future, can't you change it? So could you ever truly know your future? Because if you know it, like if I knew I was going to get hit by a car tomorrow, couldn't I just stay in my hotel room and not have that future? So theoretically, did I really know that future? Right. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, like time is incredible, but I think that comes, I think that comes down to the the life question as well, because if you know your purpose, then doesn't that change your purpose in one way or another? Um, fascinating stuff. I just, I, I wonder like why, why will we ever find out? Is it even possible for us to find out what are our purpose is? Are you really okay with the idea that you won't ever find out? Yeah. Like have you really thought, cause I think that we have this inner part of us, regardless of whether or not people connect to it or whether they want to believe it or whether they are even kind of aware of it. I think there's some deep seated thing inside of a human being that has this un, um, like this burning fire, this un... The desire to yes, know. the desire to, yeah. to finally find that answer and to finally know yeah. why and how. Like, you know, we want all the pieces to the puzzle that we are a part of. Yeah. And but maybe we're not a big enough piece to be able to put the puzzle together. You know, maybe as a collective we're able to, to understand that together. Maybe that's what we're doing. I know, uh, you know, back to my wife again, um, Danny has an interesting way of looking at it. She thinks that, that, uh, she's explained it to me like this and that she believes that we are the universe experiencing itself. And so essentially, you know, what do you call the universe or God or what have you? Right. But it's basically, we are experiencing the, the, the greatness that is this planet and God, what a beautiful planet it is. Right. But, we have these experiences. And to me, I think that makes perfect sense because ultimately when I, again, I do believe that you share those experiences after you die, um, assuming that is somewhat accurate, then that makes perfect sense to me. Um, it's also an interesting concept to think that if we don't share those things, if we really are just truly scientific and it's, we're just dead and we're gone and that's the end of it. Um, if that is the reality, then, then what is the purpose? You know, where, where did life start? I mean, why, why is life a thing? Um, you know, cause I mean, mountains grow and crumble on their own. That has nothing to do with life that happens on Mars all the time. There's nothing there, at least to our knowledge, right? Um, the water cycle, you know, clouds and rain and and fog and snow and melting and rivers and oceans and erosion and all that happens regardless of whether or not there's life. So what is the purpose of life? If we're not here to experience things, if we're not here to share those things, if there's nothing beyond death, why are we here? And, and I, I think, you know, obviously I can't answer that. I don't think anybody can really answer that, but but again, I think it, is it even possible to know that? Because ultimately, if you do know that, do you potentially change the reason? Do you, it, it's kind of like the, the cat in a bag, right? I mean, <laughs> is it dead or is it alive until you, oh, you, oh, it's alive. Good. Hopefully it's not a dead cat in a bag. Right. But you know, you know, I mean, is it both dead and alive at the same time until you look at it? Who knows? Um, there's, God, there's so many things you could, you could <laughs> get into, you know, it's just, it's fat. And I love talking with you by the way, cause it's, it's very open and back and forth. I 
do, however, have to use the restroom. So I might. I think we need to wrap it up. Yeah, it is getting getting pretty yeah, long. Yeah, it's been wonderful, man. I really, really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, we, there's so many other things I wanted to ask you, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll have another podcast one day. All right. Um, how can people find you? How can people follow you? Because you do a lot of shit. Like, not only do you you know, drive cars and you do all this, but you have a bigger, grander picture in regards to what you want to be doing and what you are doing and what you're expanding into. And so if people want to come along on that journey and join you in that process, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, first of all, thank you for asking. Um, (laughs) So basically all my social media is just at TJ Drives. So if you want to find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever you, whatever you use, it's just at or slash TJ drives, um, the driving obviously, cause that's what I love. That's what I'm <laughs> passionate about. But yeah, that's, that's pretty easy to find. TJdrives.com is another good area to find me. But, uh, ultimately, like you said, I have a little bit, uh, grander goal than just driving cars for a living and, and to make it concise for everyone. My ultimate goal is to inspire people. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a dream career, one that, you know, a lot of people, I literally got a message today, dude, how do I do what you do? And I get those all the time. I love that. If I can inspire a couple people throughout the course of of my life to, to go after their dreams and to pursue the car thing and do what they want to do with their lives, then, then I consider it a successful life. So ultimately I really just want to maintain a air of gratitude and, uh, and, and kind of stay grounded, you know, stay, um, I guess grounded is a good way to put it. But if I can use my exploits, if I can use the amazing vehicles I get to drive and the things I get to do, and I can share those with people and have them go, man, if that guy can do it, you know, I can do this too. And if I can respond to one question from a young man or a young woman that reaches out to me and says, man, I really want to do this. How do I do it? I can get that person to go after it. That's my goal. So sharing all of my life experiences is really, that's why I do it, man. I just want to inspire people. So wonderful. Yeah. It's a pleasure as always, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah. And if you guys stay tuned or if you guys sat through all of this, thank you very much. And if you're listening to this down the road, you can always go jump on our Facebook page (laughs) and our YouTube channel and watch this episode as it happened live, which was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, of course. Thanks, man. And everybody go out and have a beautiful, wonderful day. Yes. Have a beer if you drink. You don't see someone's gift and tell them not to pursue it. Yeah, so let's talk about how I feel. Or they went to Valhalla or, you know, whatever. That to me is is life being lived. That's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. The universe, I guess, is as perfect as you could ever get. Go try something that puts you outside of your comfort zone, you know. Go, go to a reading. Go just see what someone can do for you. And if you don't like it, fine, but chalk it up to another experience that you've had. And at least you gave it an honest shot. Thanks for listening, folks. And thank you, AntheoZen.com, nutritional solutions for balancing the mind and body. You can purchase all of their products through their website or Amazon. And regardless of where you're checking out, enter that promo code ENERGYIS and save 10% on your total purchase. Go now, go do it. Go get some TransZen, AntheoZen.com.